We're going to study tonight an issue that was worked out, discussed in a series of tshuvas, beginning in the 14th century or so, proceeding through the 14th, the 15th, 16th century, and the halacha was largely established, at least in its classic form, in a series of tshuvas over those centuries. Exactly how it applies today is uh, an interesting question. We may or may not get there. And the question is, if a, a couple is living in a particular place, and the husband wants to move for reasons of earning a living, he can't make ends meet locally, he doesn't have a job, doesn't have a job that pays enough, he thinks, or he knows, he believes that he, there are opportunities elsewhere that will enable him to support his family. Woman doesn't want to leave. Woman has her family here, her friends here, she knows the culture here. Woman wants to stay where she is. So what's the halacha? Does the husband have the right to demand that she follow him? Or can she say, you have no right to move, status quo, unless I agree, you can't, you can't make us move. Obviously, this is uh, one particular variation of a more general question, what to do when couples can't agree as to where they should live. Husband wants to stay, wife wants to go, husband wants to go, wife wants to stay, for religious reasons, for social reasons, for cultural reasons, for financial reasons. Obviously, this is part of a broader sugya. And the truth is, the Gemara actually discusses, there is, there is some discussion in the Gemara of this question, about what happens when one spouse wants to move and one spouse wants to stay. We're not actually going to get into the details of the Gemara. It's a difficult and complicated sugya. We're going to see, though, a series of tshuvas, beginning with the, the earliest one is a tshuva of the Rivash, tshuva of the Trumas Adeshin, tshuvas of the Lechem Rav, of the Maria Ben Lev. We're going to see a number of tshuvas on the particular question of where the husband wants to move for financial reasons and the woman wants to stay where she is. The earliest tshuva, as we said, was the tshuva of the Rivash, but we're actually going to start with the Trumas Adeshin in the 15th century, a century later. The Trumas Adeshin's tshuva is, is the, tshuva, the first tshuva dealing directly with this question. The Rivash touches on it, uh, incidentally. And the, the Trumas Adeshin is a fascinating tshuva, both uh, socially, for the halacha he establishes in these types of cases of spouses disagreeing, as well as for the religious and theological assumptions he makes in the tshuva. The tshuva begins, Ruven Nasas Leah b'medinas Moladito, Ruven married Leah in the country of his birth, Uvedaito Hayalishtakasha. He planned to settle down there, to raise his family there. Ulachar Shloshar Shanim, after three or four years, Yarad Minachas of he had some kind of reversal of fortune. Umavakesh Meishto Shatelchimacharis. He wants his wife to come with him to move somewhere else, Lagusham to uh, emigrate elsewhere. I can't make ends meet, I can't make a living here, he says. Apparently he was some kind of businessman, and his assets have, uh, his savings or his assets, have his capital has been reduced. However, that'll help him earn a living somewhere else, I'm not sure. But whatever it is, the conditions here are no longer suitable for him to earn a living, and he believes... He knows, we'll see exactly how sure he is later, but the, he, he claims he can do better elsewhere. The Chenu Amas, the Truman tells us this is true. We're stipulating for the purpose of this discussion, this is true. It, we, we, are, we are assuming that he will indeed be able to make ends meet elsewhere, even though he cannot do that where he is. Umeshiva Leah, his wife says, no, I don't want to go. I was born here as well. And uh, I don't want to leave. This is where we got married. This is where I grew up. I don't want to leave here. What about uh, her husband's warning that I can't support you, I can't support our family here? And even though we're telling her that he can't make ends meet here, he'll do better elsewhere. If you live here, you're going to suffer privation. And, uh, it's, it, and it's, it's not going to be uh, financially viable here. So she says... She has bitachon. Hashem will help us. Hashem will find you a job. That uh, right now we're not doing well here, but I have. But, but I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hope and anticipate that Hashem will help us out. Later in the tshuva, we'll see that she had two possible arguments. One argument was, I hope Hashem will help us. The other argument was, 
I don't mind. So if we don't have so much money, I'll survive. We'll tighten our belts. We'll, uh, we'll cut back. But uh, I, I, I'd rather be here and be poor than be somewhere else and be, and be uh, more financially solvent. So she had one or both of these arguments that, first, I'll, uh, Hashem can help us out, and second, doesn't mention that in the Shiloh, but we'll see in the Tshuva, second, that I don't mind, I'd rather give up, uh, give up a comfortable livelihood than to move. The question was, Can he, Does he have the right to demand, to compel her to move with him or not? Says the Hadeshen, he's unequivocal, Husband is correct, he has the right to demand that she move with him. If it's true, if it's clear, as we said in the question, that he can't make ends meet over here, and there's a real worry that, uh, that, 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 that he won't be able to support the family there. And they'll have to, they'll have to suffer privation. He says, See, he briefly references the sugya. All Rishonim agree that without a really good reason, without a solid reason, he cannot compel her to leave the place he married her. Even though the upshot of that sugya is that without good reason, a husband is not, may not compel his wife to leave the place they got married. Mikalakam, he says, if he does have a good reason, Kazos, as in our case, certainly he can force her. Why? He explains, the time of my why does he have no right to, to move her out of the place of her birth? And the, the rule is that a husband generally has no right to demand that his wife make sacrifices, that his wife give things up that she had before marrying him. For example, if she had a certain standard of living before he married her, he's obligated to support her according to the standard to which she is accustomed. The halacha is that she gets the greater of either his standard or her standard of living. If she comes from a higher standard of living family and he from a lower, she has the right to demand that he support her according to her standard. If he literally can't, if he can't afford it, that's a question. But the... But in general, she has the right to say, this is, how, this is how I grew up, so maintain me in this style. But the reverse is also true. If his family had a higher standard of living, and he married into someone who had a lower standard, he married someone with a lower standard of living, she has the right to say, even though I did not grow up with this, I have the right to demand that you maintain me the way your family grew up, the way you grew up. The, the rule is that Baliyasa Shalbal, she, has, she gets whatever privileges he, that she's entitled to based on his standard, but she also doesn't have to give up things that she has. And that's why she doesn't have to move out of her childhood, uh, childhood home, her childhood country, because she can say, this is where I grew up, you can't force me to give up my country, that would be a Eureka. I, I, I can only go up with you, you can't force me to, make, without my consent, to make sacrifices in whatever uh, social, whatever, whatever, whatever societal position I had, you can't force me to give it up when I marry you. Says the Trumas okay, so all else being equal, he can't force her to give up her, the, 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 land that, the, the land that she knows as home. However, he says, But, but if, there, if, if, he, if, if he can't make ends meet, if he can't support the family, he says, that, that's terrible. That, 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 that's the Yerida. Yerida is to, to suffer without enough money. Anything is better than, than poverty. What about her claim that she has bitachon, that she will, she's hoping and anticipating that God will provide? As uh, he says, Hashem Yisparach, that uh, Hashem will provide them uh, money. That is not a valid claim. It's nice to have bitachon. The halacha does not, the halacha is not determined based on bitachon. He gives a proof. Eza mitzvah gedolam what mitzvah is greater than Talmud Torah? Afal Pikein, he says, studying Torah is the greatest mitzvah. Afal Pikein, Amru Chachamim, Kol Torah She'enim HaMalacha, Sofa Betela. A person who learns Torah has to work. He has to have some kind of means of supporting himself, means of support. 
Otherwise, the Torah will be bottled because you can't, uh, you can't live on nothing. You can't live on nothing. Even though Torah is a tremendous, tremendous mitzvah, Chazal didn't just tell him, just learn Torah, don't worry, and Hashem and, and man and bread will fall from the sky. That's not the way a person has to conduct himself. A person has to conduct himself a person has to make arrangements for being supported He can't just say, it'll be okay, Hashem will provide. That's a good attitude to have theologically, but that doesn't mean that you aren't obligated to arrange your affairs in whatever way makes the most sense, according to the laws of nature and the laws of the world. To this woman, she can't just say, she can't just say, this is, uh, this, let's just hope that Hashem will find you uh, a means of supporting us. It doesn't work like that. You can daven for that, you can hope that, but the halacha is not determined based on that. What halacha expects you to do is not based on your hopes of what Hashem will do for you. It's based on what you have the right to expect. Just like someone who's learning Torah, he has to have some means of supporting himself because otherwise it'll lead to bad things. You can't just live on bitachon. So too, the Truma Sedeshin says, a person, a, the, a woman who, the, the, the husband and wife are discussing finances, the, the, the stereotypical kitchen table conversations. How do we pay the bills? So the husband says, we have to do this. This makes sense. The woman says, you're right, that uh, I have no alternative, but let's just hope Hashem will help us. Let's do this and hope Hashem will help us. Bitochen is a good thing, but you can't make decisions based on that. You can't make decisions that are financially reckless based on bitochen. Therefore, the Truma Sedeshin says, the husband is right. If he can demonstrate, if he can, if he can convincingly show that they have no means of support staying here and they will have means of support going elsewhere, he wins because bitochen is not a plan. Bitochen is an attitude. Bitochen is not a plan. You have to have a plan, and this is not called a plan. That's her first taina, that I have bitochen. What about her second taina? That, again, it wasn't mentioned clearly in the question, but her other, the other aspect of her, uh, of her claim was, I don't mind. Okay, bitochen is not a plan. So let, let's assume that you're right, that we'll be poor if we live here. I don't mind being poor. I would, rather, I, would rather be, I would rather live in my home, live in the country that I know, and be poor than live somewhere else and be middle class or well off. So we'll be poor, fine. Being poor is worth it. She doesn't mind the deprivation and lacking things and so on. She would rather suffer privation than move. Also not a good time, he says. Halacha often has a rule, Halacha sometimes dismisses people who have aberrant or abnormal desires. Halacha kind of assumes that normal desires are, normal preferences are what we assume, even if a person has unique and unusual preferences, halacha doesn't care. But ladaita, urcha demilsa. The husband has the right to say, what you and your idiosyncrasies want or don't want, that's not what I care about, that, that my, my rights and my, the, the rules of our marriage are governed by what people would typically want. Stambnei Adam, ordinary people, typical people, lavda tayuhachi, they wouldn't want, they, they, they don't prize home above having enough money to, to live. Brings a raya. So the, the Gemara says, the Gemara has a very interesting uh, assumption. Women here may or may not agree with this, and uh, it depends on the context, obviously, but the, 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 the feminist famously asked, you know, what do women want? So the Gemara discusses that as well. The Gemara says, chamar v'nasa gamol nai. The, the Gemara is discussing a man who's changing his job, changing jobs. The halacha is that, that the, there are certain halachically regulated rules about how much companionship, how much intimacy a woman is entitled to. It depends on the nature of the person's job. Some jobs take him, take him away from home more often. Camel drivers, uh, seafarers, they're away for weeks, months at a time. So the halacha is every person, based on his job, the woman has a certain formally, uh, formal right to a certain amount of companionship and intimacy, and that's, that, that's determined based on his job. So the Mara wants to know, chamar mai. Can, can a person switch jobs if that'll mean he'll bring in more money, but he'll be with her less? She'll have less of his, less physical intimacy, less companionship, but she'll be, she'll be better off. She'll be financially better off to see if the right, so obviously if they agree, they can do whatever they want. But if they don't agree, if he says, I have a new job offer, I'll make much more money, but I'll only be home uh, half as much. Does he have the right to unilaterally make that decision? The question is, what does a woman want? Does a woman want money, or does a woman want uh, love? 
love and companionship and so on. So Amar Lei, Rotsi Isha Bekav Tiflus, May Eser Kavan Uprishus. A woman would rather have only a kav, a small amount of material goods, but tiflus, to have more romance, I'm not sure what the right word for this is, than to have ten kavin, but to lead a more ascetic lifestyle, a life of less, uh, less romance. So that that's what a woman wants. A woman would rather have her husband than have lots of money. So Rashi, he brings Rashi. Rashi explains that uh, do we assume she'd rather have money? Do we assume she'd rather have him? And the, and the conclusion of the Gemara is... She'd rather be with her husband. So Tosis has a kasha. Elsewhere, the Gemara talks about Avodas HaMelech, the chance to work uh, as a civil servant, to work in government. Apparently, that was a very lucrative uh, position, but it means being away from her. So there we pass in Harvacha, that, that money is more important. That uh, she'd rather have the money, we assume, than the companionship. Tosis says, Avodas HaMelech is very profitable. So for that... Give her enough money, she'll, she'll be happy to lose her husband. She'll be willing to lose her, the, the pleasure of her husband's company for a lot of money. So for a, for a small raise, she'd rather have more of her husband. For a large raise, uh, for a large raise, she would uh, she'd be willing to uh, to she'd be, she'd be willing to you know to, to forego the pleasure of his company. So the Truma Sedashin says that you see that, that, we, that we don't actually ask her. That we see that the halacha makes assumptions. What does the woman want? We don't say, ask the woman. We say, the chazal, the male rabbis, chazal are going to tell us what, uh, what a woman wants. They're going to establish the, whether a woman, a woman wants this or she wants that, whether she wants money or she wants love. That, that's up to chazal to decide. Um, we don't say, nikra leisha b'nishla pia. We don't say, let's just ask her. And Rashi explicitly says, we're talking about, well, we're not asking her, we're making the decision unilaterally based on what the halacha establishes. Shumash says, you see the rule is that what we want to know is what women generally want. We don't want to know what this particular woman wants. If, if all we wanted to know is what this particular woman wants, the obvious answer would be, let's ask her. The Tarot says, the Shumash says, what we really care about is what do women generally want. Even if she wants something else, we say, butla daita. We don't necessarily care what she wants, the husband has the right to say the rules of our marriage, what I have the right to do, what I don't have the right to do, is based on what Kazal established as what women generally want. If women generally want this, then if, if, if he wants to take the new job, which pays more, but he won't be home as much, if that's what women generally would prefer, he has the right to do it, even if his particular wife does not want that. And therefore, these halachas, of Truma says, are established by Kazal's assumptions about what women generally want, rather than what this specific woman in front of us wants. Therefore, he says, since the general rule is that if she has the chance to get Avodah Samela, he has a plum job, he'll, he'll get a big law job, he'll make uh, tons of money, he'll, be, he'll make partner in a few years, he'll get really rich. So for that, she's willing to give up the pleasure of his company. I had the reverse experience the first two years. I was married, my wife was working in big law, so I, I, I saw a lot less of her than uh, other Shunnery Shunner couples might took her to the train station at 6 o'clock in the morning, picked her up at uh, you know, 11, 12 at night. I went to sleep. She burned the midnight oil for another few hours. So, uh, yep, yeah, so that we agreed. But it's that, this is as good a place as any to point out that all these halachas are hopefully in a, in a good marriage, in a healthy marriage. The couples are not going to be demanding their rights. Hopefully they're going to be... They're going to be working things out. They're going to be reaching mutually, mutually, accepted, mutually acceptable uh, compromises, mutually acceptable decisions. The halacha is when they can't work it out and they, and they, uh, and they fall back on the din, they fall back on the, on the halacha, who has the right to demand what. Hopefully these halachas will not actually be invoked all that often. Hopefully they'll be on the same page or they'll, they'll at least be willing, uh, caring enough about each other to be flexible and to, and to reach some kind of compromise or mutually acceptable conclusion. But anyway, if they can't agree, says the Truma Sedeshen, the assumption of the Akimara is that we say butla daita, and that we say that if it's a significant amount of money, she would prefer the money to the pleasure of her husband's company. Kolchkin, in our case, it's not a question of getting rich, it's a question of being poor, that's even worse, it's, uh, that's even more of a, of a thing that would be unacceptable to her to be poor. So, and, and it's only a question of giving up the, the pleasures of home, she's not giving up her husband, he says, that the pain of the suffering of poverty is greater than the, than the, than the enjoyment of being rich. And, you know, as they say, the, 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 value of the, the marginal value of each dollar goes down. And the, more, the more dollars you have, the marginal value of each dollar goes down. 
there, there are studies, I think, there, there, are some fairly, uh, there are some fairly consistent studies that show you know, the old question, can money buy happiness? The answer apparently is yes, up to a certain point. The answer apparently is that as you get more money from being uh, from zero to dire poverty to poverty to lower middle class, up to a certain point, apparently, money does buy happiness. If you're making uh, $50,000 a year, you will apparently be significantly happier, statistically, on the whole, than making $30,000 a year. I forget what the, what the cutoff was, but up to somewhere in the middle class, money actually does buy happiness in a somewhat, uh, again, in a general way. Obviously, there are people who are millionaires and miserable and people who are uh, on cloud nine and dirt poor, but, but in general, there is, there, is, there is something of a statistical correlation, as I recall, between money and happiness until a certain point, after, after which the correlation breaks down and there's little, uh, I think, further correlation between m- more money and, uh, and happiness. But I'll call upon him. Shumas Tadeshin says the, the, the happiness delta that, that you get from going from poor to being solvent is greater than you get from being solvent to being rich. And therefore, if a, if a woman would even be willing to give up uh, her personal comforts in order to be rich, certainly should give up her personal comforts in general, not to be poor, he says. And therefore, Butla Daita, even if this woman tells us, and we believe her, that she prefers, <coughs> she prefers the comfort and familiarity of home to, to, being, uh, to being financially stable, doesn't matter, we say, Butla Daita. So this is the ruling of the Truma Sedeshen. He dismisses both possible arguments the woman might have. The argument that, let's just hope that God will help us and things will be okay, Hope is not a plan. Maybe God will help you, but we cannot make the halacha is not determined based on hopes of what God will do. Her second argument that I don't mind if we're poor, maybe we'll be poor, I don't mind if we're poor, that's also not a valid argument, because since women in general would prefer not to be poor and would prefer to sacrifice the comfort of home in order not to be poor, even if this woman feels differently, it doesn't matter. The husband has the right to say the rules of our marriage are determined by what women would generally want, women would generally not prefer to be poor and to be at home than to be, uh, than to be rich and uh, than to be solvent in a foreign country. Therefore, the husband wins. He has the right to compel her to, to, uh, to move with him if he cannot make ends meet here, and he will be able to make ends meet somewhere else. Now, opposing... I'm sorry? I'm sorry, what's that? I, I need to turn up the volume here. I'm, ha- I'm, having, I'm having trouble hearing you, but let me just... Yeah, so, so you're pointing out that, again, when we discuss the resolving disputes about marriage, so there are two issues. One issue is, if our goal is to promote the happiest marriage possible, what will bring the most happiness? The other issue is more of an adversarial question. Both parties have rights, both parties have claims and obligations. How do we resolve, like in any dintara, in any uh, adversarial proceeding, how do, we, how, do we resolve, how do we resolve disputes? You're looking at it from the, the therapist or the marriage counselor uh, perspective, the mediator's perspective. What can we do to, uh, to maximize the felicity of this marriage, to maximize the longevity of the marriage. The, the post can have to look at it, though, from the perspective of, of a court. If, if, two people, if, if a husband and wife are in court and they're demanding their... So I don't know how the law does this. A halacha, as I always point out, halacha does not subsume a woman uh, during marriage to her husband. Both parties have rights, both financial rights, personal rights. Both parties are well-defined, separate entities, and they, they, can, you know, they, they, can, they can argue with each other, they can bring each other to based in to, to demand. That obviously, that obviously, they can stop each other from abusing each other, but beyond that, they, they, they have rights, and they have, just like any two people in the world have rights, spouses have rights as well. The, the rules of a based in of a court you know, don't change just because they're spouses. If each party is demanding something he's entitled to, he or she is entitled to, according to halacha, we can maybe suggest to them that it might be in their own best interest to work out some kind of mutually acceptable solution. But at the end of the day, if they don't, Halacha has to have a rule for resolving, resolving conflicts. And uh, if at the end of the day they, they can't reach any, uh, any agreement, Halacha has to have a rule for deciding who is going to... Uh, if, uh, if he says it's my right to move, because if, again, if he doesn't care... If he, he doesn't really care. If he, if he says, all I want you is to be happy, obviously we'll tell him, well, if you want her to be happy, then listen to what she says. The, the whole point of Butler Daita is he doesn't want to do that. He wants to say that this is my right to move for Parnassah, because this is what a woman would normally want. If you don't want it, uh, then th- that's not my problem. 
I, I, have the, I have the right to make decisions based on what would be normal, what would be fair to a normal woman. If, if you have... Uh, yeah, okay, in a certain sense, it'll be his problem. We, it, might, it, might be, it might be a good idea to tell him that in, the, in your long-term interest, in the interest of your marriage, if it means, if it means something to you, it might, be, you might, it might be wise for you to be mavater, to, to give in, and to... Uh, that might very well be true. A lot of cases are like that. If, if Basin has a case where two, two, uh, a man dies and, and, his, and his sons and daughters get into a terrible, bitter fight about their inheritance... It's true, a, 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 a wise uh, friend, a wise uh, counselor and mentor will probably tell the people involved, this is not worth it, you're tearing apart, uh, you know, what's more important than family? You're tearing apart your family over some money, it's not worth it. That's, that, 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 that's true, all that is true. But at the end of the day, if, they, if, if that's the path they, they decide to, to pursue, halacha, has, to ha, halacha ha, has means of adjudicating whose rights are what. You know, we can argue maybe the halacha should focus more on on maximizing marital bliss and less on rights, but that, that, this is how the halacha works. It works like a system of law that, that the, the halacha says our goal is to decide what each party's rights are, and, uh, and if, 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 they, if they decide that that's in their interest to demand their rights, yeah, the Bali Musa tell us that uh, and in general, each, the way to have a successful marriage is for each party to focus on his obligations in the marriage, not on his rights in the marriage. The, 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 the Rambam has a passage where he says these are the husband's uh, duties to his wife. These are the wife's duties to the husband. Some, some of the Bali Musters say, if each one reads his own obligations, the husband reads all the things he's supposed to, 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 to revere and cherish and take care of his wife, and she reads her obligations to him, she's supposed to do his will and, and, and take care of him and so on, it'll be a great marriage. If each, if each one reads the other side's things and the husband tells the wife, you're supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be submissive, you're supposed to be doing this for me, you're supposed to be doing that for me, and the woman tells the husband, I demand that you provide this, and I demand that you provide that, and this is your obligation, that's your obligation. That's not a recipe for a healthy marriage. So yes, so, so I'm, I'm not denying what, what you're saying is true, that it might be short-sighted of them to insist on their rights, but the, but, but the rights are the rights. The, 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 halacha, tell, the halacha tells us what, what, what their rights are, even if sometimes insisting on the rights might not be the best recipe for a, for a, uh, for a successful marriage. So let's take a look at some of the other chuvas involved. The other, the other early chuva, even before the chuvas adeshen, is the rivash. Rivash was not actually asked directly about. Uh, the, the rivash was asked about a similar question. His question also involved a husband and wife, and they couldn't agree on whether to stay or or, or go somewhere else. In the in the rivash's case, he also allowed the husband to to move, not because the issue was parnasa. He had a different reason. In the case of the Rivash, he says that there are actually two chuvas, and we only have the second chuva in the handout, but in, the, in this second chuva here, so the, the Rivash begins with an interesting passage. He, he had written to this person, to, to this, this person was a Talmud Chacham apparently, but he had written to this person telling him what the Halacha was, and the person complained to the Rivash, he wasn't pleased with what the Rivash had written to him. He says, he got, he says, he got, niksavcha, I got your letter, your response to what I wrote to you, Reisi kilo yash kilo yashra you didn't appreciate my answer. Because my answer was, uh, you felt at least, was not, uh, I didn't support your interest. Says the Rivash, what do you want from me? I explained the sugya to you, the sugya in Ksuvas we mentioned, about when, when spouses have the right to demand the spouses follow. You asked me to explain it to you. I explained it to you. I explained the whole sugi to you in detail, everything I said is true. If the halacha doesn't, is not what you wanted to hear, what, what do you want me to do, he says. Because the halacha doesn't please you, you want me to change the halacha to suit, your, uh, to suit you? If you don't like the halacha, the person who made these halachas, God, he, person, the, the, the creator of these halachas, thought they were good. You don't think they're good. Well, God disagrees with you. You don't appreciate them. That's your problem. These are the halachas. However, the Rivash went on to say, If you actually paid attention and read carefully, as appropriate, you would have seen, he says, you would have understood that my, my psaac actually is not against you. My psaac actually was in your favor. Why? Because 
I told you, yes, it's true in general, if a couple gets married, neither spouse has the right to force the other spouse to leave the place where they got married without consent, without mutual consent. The Chaim Lashna Mishnah. Says the Rivash, that all depends on the place where they got married. The critical question is, where did they get married? According to what I heard of your story, he says, Barshach was a city, not sure how you pronounce it. Currently, you're in a place called Barshach. That's not where you got married. You originally, he says, You got married in Mallorca, he says. The chasna happened in Mallorca, and that's where you lived. You lived in Mallorca for a while. There was some terrible gzera of shmad, and you had to leave, you and her, and you had to go someplace else. So because you were, Mallorca became intolerable because of gzera, religious persecution, you ended up, you wandered around, People ended up in Mizrach and Marav, all over the world, he says, to save themselves from, uh, from the terrible things that were going on in Mallorca, the persecutions. In Cain, he says, when you left Mallorca, you could have gone anywhere, anywhere because at this point, Mallorca was the place of the Chasna, but that was clear. You couldn't stay in Mallorca. Nobody was staying in Mallorca. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't tolerable there. So at that point, you can go anywhere, he says. Once Makaman Asuin is not an option, you could have gone anywhere. You chose, he says, both of you chose, you chose to go to... Barshach. You ended up in Barshach, which was where her family happened to be. She got lucky. She got lucky. Once you were forced out of Mallorca, you end up going to, to, her, to, her, to her area, to the place of Barshach. Now he says, now she has, she has no right to, uh, to say, well, now we're in Barshach, we have to stay there. The marriage didn't occur over there, he says. He, the marriage occurred in Mallorca. Even though now she's lucky enough that she spent some time in, in, the, in the place of her family, the place that she knows, the place that she likes, that doesn't matter. That wasn't the Makam Nisuin, he says. Since, in, since at the time of the Nisuin, she already agreed, we're not going to live in Barshak, we agreed to get married in Mallorca, we're going to stay in Mallorca, she lost any claim to demand, that, uh, to, to demand Barshak, even though now, for some period of time, you live there, that doesn't convey any rights to her, he says, that, that doesn't give her any rights to demand that you stay there. And therefore, he says, certainly, in addition, he says, the place that he wanted to move to was the Makam Torah, and Chachma, better than Barashach, he says, and Akila Gedola, a much bigger Jewish community. So, certainly, you have the right to go there. So, that was the, that was the Rivash's ruling. He said, additionally, he mentioned that Barashach is not working out for you, you don't have Parnasa there, Ein Lacha Bohatzlacha, Vedaich Yuscha. So, he says, uh, for all these reasons, since Barashach is not Makam Anasuin, you have the right to move. So some Akronim understood this Rivash to mean that even though he couldn't make a living in Barshak, where he lived now, even though, similar to the Trumas Adeshin, he, uh, he couldn't make ends meet there, the only reason the Rivash let him move, the Rivash let him demand, that, that, let, let, let him demand of her that she move, is only because that was not the Makam But if it was the Makam even though he couldn't make ends meet, he would disagree with the Trumas Adeshin. He would say that, no, if it's Makam you're stuck there forever until you both agree to move. Neither party has the right to demand that they leave Makamanasuin, even for Parnassa. The Rivash mentions Parnassa only after he establishes the, the crucial principle that if a place is not the place they got married, then neither party has any, any right to demand that they stay there. But if the but Parnassa itself would not be a factor, the Rivash seems to imply, if that had been Makamanasuin, the fact that he couldn't make ends meet there would not be a uh, that that would that would not be the that would not be enough of a reason to uh, to, uh, to to to, be, to to have the right to leave. Beis Yosef, when he brings the Trumas Adeshen, Beis Yosef briefly quotes the Trumas Adeshen, and then says, even though the Trumas Adeshen thinks this is Pashut, I disagree. Ein dvar of and the Ramah says that's also the implication of the Rivash. The Rivash also seems to disagree. The Rivash he brings the earlier Chuva the Rivash in the same story. The Rivash seems to disagree. And this point that the Rivash disagrees with the Trumas Adeshen is elaborated upon by another colleague of the Beis Yosef and the Ramah, and that's another tshuva, the tshuva of Rabbi Yosef ibn Leif. Rabbi Yosef ibn Leif was asked about Ruvain married Sarah, and not only is there a question of, his, of, of, of their halachic rights, Ruvain took an oath. This was very common among the Sephardim. When they got married, the husband would take an oath that he would uh, make certain concessions to her, they, that, for example, among the Sephardim, polygamy was sometimes was, was still muttered, that not all of them accepted the ban on polygamy of Rabbeinu Gershom. 
So the husband would often take an oath, even today, some, hus- some Sephardic husbands do it, they take an oath that they will not marry a second wife, they take an oath they won't unilaterally divorce her, and one of the common oaths they used to take, going back to the medieval period, they used to take oaths that they would not leave, that they would not try to move the family out of the stipulated place without the wife's permission. The husband would commit himself with an oath to, to, uh, to, to guarantee her, her the, the, the right, the, a right of veto against any move of the family. So in the Marie Ben Leib's case, the Marie Ben Leib was a contemporary of the Shulchan Aruch. In his case, Reuven had taken an oath to his wife that he would not force her to leave their, their current domicile without her consent. And Reuven said, look, I know I promised that, but things have changed. I can't make a living here. Again, the same problem of Parnassa. Cost of living is too high. I, I, I can't make it work over here. I want to go somewhere else where the cost of living is lower. We can, we can make ends meet somewhere else. So I, I took an oath, yes, but uh, things are different now. Circumstances have changed. I no longer want to honor this oath. His wife says, I don't want to go. No, you promised me. I, I like it here. Similar to the Trumasadeshin's case, I don't want to go. I want to stay where we are. And they had a variety, of, a number of other uh, nuances to this question as well. Marie Ben Leif says, he brings the Gemara in Ksuvas, which again, we're not going to get into. And then he says, the question is, okay, but the Gemara doesn't talk about Parnassah. So what do we do with Parnassah? If it, the, the person has obligations, halakhic obligations, obligations based on his oath, obligations to respect his wife's choice to, 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 not, you know, to not alter the status quo, to not make her leave without her permission. So what happens if he can't make ends meet? Does that give him the right to, to say, okay, I, I promised under different circumstances, now things have changed, now I want to go. Says the Maria bin Leif. He says that, if not for this oath, he said, if we're just falling back on the basic halacha that a man normally can't force his wife to leave, he says, then I would tell you, the Truman Sedeshin Paskin, that he could, if he can't make ends meet, that gives him the right to demand to demand the right to move somewhere else. So if not for the oath, he says, I would paskin like the Truman Sedeshin that, that, that he has the right to make her leave. I, what about the Rivash? The Rivash seems to say that only because it wasn't the place they got married, but if it was the place they got married, he would not have the right to make her leave, not like the Truman Sedeshin. So he says the Iker is like the Truman Sedeshin because... The Rivash didn't say that he can't make her leave if it was Makamanasuin. The Rivash was talking about a case where it's not the Makamanasuin. He said that since it's not Makamanasuin, and anyway he can't make ends meet, he had all these different arguments for why he can make her leave. The Rivash never really wasn't discussing a case where it was Makamanasuin. That wasn't the case he was asked about. So Ibn Lev says, even though the Diuk in the Rivash might be Mashma, that if it was the place of Nasuin, he would have to stay there even if he couldn't make ends meet, it could be the Rivash just said, that, that, uh, that, that it, A, it's not Makam HaNesuin, and B, he can't make ends meet. So he had a few reasons why, why the husband wins. But in a chinami, even if it was Makam HaNesuin, maybe if he couldn't make ends meet, that would be a good enough reason. Again, this is a standard rule in Psaac. If it wasn't the case the posting was asked about, even if he seems to concede that in that case the halacha might be different, that's not his job. He wasn't asked about that case, so he wasn't, he wasn't coming to pass him what would happen in that case. In his case, where there were multiple factors, it wasn't the place of the Nesuin they were living in now, and he couldn't make ends meet, and they were going to a place of more Torah. They had multiple reasons why the husband would win. We can't necessarily infer what would happen if only some of those factors would be present. So the bottom line is, he says, we have a clear ruling of the Truma Sedeshen that a husband does have the right to, make, uh, to, to demand that his wife move if uh, he can't make ends meet. The, riva, the, the Rivash is not necessarily clear whether he's chalik or not, Therefore, he says, therefore, he says, if not for the Shvua, we would go like the Truma Sedeshen, the husband would win. Lamaisi, he did take a Shvua, so then he has the rest of the Shuvah, he discusses the Shvua. How do we treat the, the Shvua in this context? That part of the Shuvah we're not going to get into. But the Halacha, in the absence of a Shvua, in terms of what the actual Halacha is, the Halacha in and of itself, the Marie Ben Leib sides with the, with the Truma Sedeshen that the husband does have the right to demand that his wife move if he can't uh, make ends meet in the, place of the, in, the, in the place where they're currently living. And the last major tshuva I want to discuss tonight is a tshuva of the Lechem Rav. The Lechem Rav is the, are, are the tshuvas of Rabbi Avram Diboton. Rabbi Avram Diboton, certainly in the yeshiva world, is much better known by the name of his other sefer, the Lechem Mishnah, one of the great classic commentaries on the Rambam. But in the world of halacha, he was actually known as a posik, as, as, as one of the outstanding poskim of his time. He lived in the great Svardik city of Salonika, the Irva'im Yisrael. He was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and a half a generation or a generation after the Beis Yosef. 
He was one of the leading Svardic scholars in Salonika, and he was also asked about uh, this. He, was, he also issued a ruling on a very similar case. He begins his shuva by saying, Reisi mashakasuv harav hamuva kakoin hagadol, natu parke. I have seen what the great, the expert Rav, the, the, the great Kohen, has ruled. This is, one, this is a very charming uh, literary style of the Lechem Rav. There are two Chachamim in Salonika who he revered, who he had uh, tremendous respect for, two uh, senior, eminent contemporaries of his, who he never names. Throughout his Sefer, he never actually calls them by name. One of them is the one he calls like this, Harav HaMufak HaKohen HaGadol, the great, the expert Rav, the Kohen HaGadol, the references to the Maharshach, Rabbi Shlomo HaKohen, who was a Kohen, so the Lechem Rav always refers to him as Harav HaKohen HaGadol, the great, the great, the great Kohen, that is the Maharshach. The other one we'll get to soon. So he, uh, he says that he saw a tshuva of the Rav HaMuvah HaKohen HaGadol, a tshuva of the Maharshach. The Maharshach also ruled on a case like this, where the husband wanted to move because of Parnassa, and the woman said no. The Hiskim Lahatir Leruvein Lisa Ishal Ishto, so he was, the Marshach said that, the, that if, the, if the man wants to move and the woman doesn't want to move, then the husband has the right to move, and if she doesn't follow, he has the right to marry a second wife. The, this is what the halacha says, if a woman doesn't follow her husband when she's supposed to, she doesn't always have to, but if she's in the wrong, if, he, if she is supposed to go with him and she refuses, that is grounds for allowing him to, to, to abrogate, to, to, to ignore the cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom. Rabbeinu Gershom's cherem banned polygamy when the woman is behaving as she should. If the woman behaves improperly, then in certain cases, poskim allow, allow, the, hus- allow the husband to marry a second wife. That's what the Marshach paskin, that the lotikin Rabbeinu Gershom or hagola, b'chayotzeh b'davar zeh, if he can't live where, where they're living because, uh, because Parnas is impassable, then she's supposed to go with him, and if she doesn't go with him, then they were, then, then if she doesn't want to go, they allowed him to marry a second wife. What's he supposed to do? So, that, so we're not going to force him to abide by the Chen de in such a case. He wasn't discussing directly whether he can force her to go. He was discussing whether her refusal to go is grounds for the Chayim of Rabbeinu Gershom. Marshach's answer was yes, that, uh, that it, 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 we can't expect anything more of him. He needs to go. If she doesn't want to go, she forfeits any right she has of the protection of Rabbeinu Gershom. He can fail free to marry a second wife. Says the Lechem Rav, says Rabbi Avram Dibaton, Mihu zev eizahu shiavu melach. Marshach, one of the greatest postkim of the generation, who, who is going to challenge the Marshach? I'm going to challenge the Marshach, he says. Achamnam, with all due respect to the Marshach, he says, Adayin libi nokfi. I'm not 100% sure if the Marshach is really so correct here, he says. At the end of the day, he is going to agree with the Marshach, but uh, not so quickly. He says, what's my concern? My concern is, from his other great revered mentor, and his other great revered Godladar of Salonika, Masharisi bedivrei harav hagadol mori verabi zechron levracha l'chai elam haba. He says, the problem is, is a tshuva of my Rebbe. His Rebbe also, he never names by name in the entire Sefer, as far as I know. His Rebbe, Harav HaGadol, Mori Rabbi, that's always a reference to the Maharashtam, Rabbi Shmuel Di Medina. Another one of the great outstanding postkim of Salonika of that time, Tshuvas Maharashtam, hundreds and hundreds of tshuvas, and uh, like the Marashach, hundreds and hundreds of tshuvas. He says, my Rebbe, the, the, Mori Rabbi, Harav HaGadol, is uh, he has a psak, which gives me pause about being so quick to uh, suspend the Cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom. The, Mar- the, the, the Marashtam's tshuva had nothing to do with uh, moving and Parnassah. The, the Marashtam just said in general that we have to be very, very careful before we suspend uh, a woman's privileges because it can easily be abused. And if, if we're matir in one case where the woman is really behaving badly, the next thing you know there'll be those who'll be matir in other cases where the woman is less deserving. So the Marashtam argued that we cannot go around and, and be matir men to uh, ignore the Cherem Gershom. We see this today as well, that there's potential for abuse, there's potential for, even in cases where spending the Cherem is justified, the Marashtam says, as a gzera, as, as, as an additional protection for women, we, 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 we cannot suspend it, even where we should, in certain cases, because that would lead, that, that it's a slippery slope, and that could lead to the to the, to the Heterim being abused, it can lead to men being unfair toward women. 
So that was one thing that gave the, the Lechem Rav pause, that, 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 his, that his Rebbe, the Marashtam, based on a Chuba the Marik, said that even in cases where, even in cases where there, there are grounds for, for uh, deciding in favor of the husband, we can't, uh, we, we shouldn't be so quick to do so, because it can, it can lead to abuse, it can lead to problems. That's what the, so therefore the Lechem Rav says, but need be done, he says that uh, the Marashtam made an exception for Milsid Lo Shricha, for, uh, for an extreme and unusual case. The Marashtam says, this case is so extraordinary, it's not going to be confused with any normal case, this case I'll allow it. But our case, the Lechem Rav says, which is, much, which is a pretty routine case, husband can't make ends meet, wants to move, woman says no, that's a pretty uh, run-of-the-mill routine kind of case. It's Shricha, she doesn't want to go, he wants her to go. Even if Minadin, we would decide that, uh, that, that, really, that really he's right, we can't be matir, he says, because it can lead to abuse of women who are in the right. Zosvod Acheres, he says, that it's not so pashut, that Al she's right. Because even though we have the Trumas Adeshen, he goes on to say, we have the Trumas Adeshen, who says that a husband does have the right to demand his wife move if they can't make ends meet. And the, Mar- the Maria bin Lev passes like the Trumas Adeshen, as we mentioned. However, he says... But the Rivash seems to disagree. The Rivash, uh, as, as the Marival notes, the, as Maria ben Leib notes, the Rivash seems to disagree. The Rivash says that as, if it would be Makam Anasuin, the Rivash implies that they would have to, uh, that, that she has the right to stay there. So we saw that Maria ben Leib said, had, had a rereading of the, of the Rivash, but the Pashas of the Rivash, as understood by the Ramah as well, is that he disagrees with Shumas Adashin. Says the Lechem Rav, Ivra diyeshli lasso shalom beinehem, I can also try to reconcile the Rivash with Ibn Lev, and I can say that what it depend, that the distinction is, it depends whether the husband, whether it's a sure thing, whether, as sure as anything can be, but whether we're pretty sure he will do better elsewhere, or it's just uh, hope and, and striving to do better elsewhere. The Trumas Nation was talking about a case where it was stipulated, where it was clear, where it was being, being assumed for the sake of argument, that he would do better somewhere else. Then he has the right to go and demand that she come with him. The Rivashi says was talking about a case where he's not doing well here. We don't know if he'll do better here. He hopes he will. Mashana Makum, Mashana Mazel. Maybe he'll do better there. He has a plan. We don't know he'll do better anywhere else, he says. In that case, he can't force her to leave if it's Makum Anasuin. Maybe there's no Machlokis. Maybe everyone agrees, he says, that in a case where it's Borer, in a case where it's clear, that uh, in a case where it's clear that he will, uh, that he'll be more successful somewhere else, maybe everyone agrees that he has the right to demand that. Lamaisi says, the Beisiosu says it is a ma- Beisiosu says the Trumas Nation is not correct, that the, at the end of the day it's a machlokas, the, that, that the, whether Trumas Nation's din is universally accepted or not, the Rivash is not clear, the Beisiosu says that, there, that, that the Trumas Nation is not correct in Shulchan Aruch. He doesn't mention this, but in Shulchan Aruch, Ramah brings two days. The Ramah says, Yesh Omrim, the husband can force her to leave. That's the first Yesh Omrim. V'yesh Cholkim, Beisiosif, Mashmaos of the Rivash. So the Ramah says there are two days about this. So the, so the Lechem Rav says, so Lamai said there are arguments on both sides. We don't have uh, an absolutely solid case for allowing the woman to, de- for allowing the husband to demand that his wife follow him. Nevertheless, he says, he's still going to pass him like the Marshach, and he's still going to rule that the husband has the right to demand that she go or, or allow him to marry a second wife. He says because Rene Gershom himself is what he, is what he calls a Dabr Chalash, it's a weak Takana, a little bit unusual. Many posts can say Rabbi Gershom is a very strong takana. It's a cherem made by one of the preeminent figures of, of the early Rishonim. All right. But he calls it a Dabr Chalosh. Some say it was only till, till the end of the of 5,000 years. Now it's only a minhag. Other reasons, there are posts who say that there are various leniencies and mitigating factors in the cherem of Rabbi Gershom. Therefore, he says, we can afford to be a little bit lenient. We're not talking about a shvua here. We're talking about just the cherem of Rabbi Gershom. At the end of the day, he says, you have the Trumas Adeshen, you have Ibn Leib, who paskins like that, that she has to follow. The Rivash is unclear, he says. So if it's only the Cherem we're dealing with, he says, he's willing to say that we can suspend the Cherem. There are other reasons to be lenient here, he says. Many posts can allow the husband to demand that, uh, that, if, he, that if he comes from somewhere else, he has, the, he has the right to demand that she follow him back to his hometown. So therefore, the, therefore the, on, there, there are a variety of reasons where he would win, and even if he can't actually force her to come with him, the, his case is strong enough that, that, that we could suspend the Cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom and allow him to remarry. And we're back to the original problem, the problem of the Marashtam, that we're worried about a slippery slope, we're worried about abuse, we're worried about uh, the possibility that once we start giving people Heterim to marry second wives, 
men will use that to abuse their wives who are blameless, who are in the right. So he says what we can do to avoid that is a solution mentioned in the Chuvis Marik. We won't just give him, uh, give him a, a quick heter, we'll make him appear before, a, uh, before the leaders of the city, the Tuve Ha'ir, and uh, th- this will be a council having some weight, having some, uh, having some eminence, he says. If they see that, uh, that the husband is being taken advantage of, that, that, that he's in the right, that it's not fair, then they'll, they'll write it down, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll write down a whole formal explanation of why they did it, and they'll send it to, uh, to Marit Tzedek, to Rabbanim, and they'll look into it, and, and they'll give the hatter if it's appropriate. Since it'll be done by the leaders of the community, it'll be done with, the great, uh, with, with great formality, with great uh, painstaking detail. We don't have to worry that it'll be abused, that it'll start being fly-by-night haterim, of uh, the people will be mater, men to remarry, even when the women have done nothing wrong. So based on that, the based on that, the Lechem Rav says, let's let's do the same thing here. We think the husband is right. We think the husband is making a reasonable claim, and that he has a number of posts who support his claim, and that's enough to say, look, tells his wife either come with me or allow me to marry someone else. So he says, you're worried about abuse. So we won't just give him a, a simple hector. He says, well, we'll tell the woman that uh, that her choice is either to come or we may have to let him marry a second wife. Then we'll have a meeting with the Tuve Ha'er, the leaders of the city. And that uh, they'll invite her to come, and uh, if she doesn't come, and if Basin decides that, that, that the right is with him, then, they, then they'll let him remarry, and by doing it with, with, all, this, uh, with all this formality, with all, going through all these, all these procedural, uh, procedural steps, he says, then he says, we don't have to worry that it'll lead to abuse, because we're not creating a precedent for just uh, quickie, fly-by-night heterim. The hetero is only being given based on this uh, elaborate... Uh, elaborate formal procedure, he says, and, and therefore, if, if we accept that it's true, if the facts are that he cannot make a living here and he'll be able to make a living somewhere else, then he says that the, if we go through this elaborate procedure of uh, involving the community leadership and the Bastin and Rabbanim and everything, he says, then that'll be, uh, that'll be enough to, uh, to support the Hatter, and we don't have to worry about it being abused by other men just coming and getting uh, bogus Haterim, to, uh, to abrogate the cherem of Rameh So as we said, again, as we said, uh, these halachas, hopefully people are managing to get along. The halachas deal with uh, irreconcilable differences or people who are not ready to get divorced but are each insisting on their rights under the halacha. Again, we certainly don't recommend that people uh, insist on every right they have in the Shulchan Aruch, but it's important to know what the, what the couple's rights are under the, under the halacha. And this gives us some insight also as to how the postgame looked at questions of of Parnassa, of Bitachon, of a woman's rights versus a husband's rights, and, uh, and this was a discussion, again, which, as I said, uh, certainly the early phase of it played out over, over a couple of centuries, beginning with the Rivash in the 14th century, and then going down to the post in the late 15th century, the, the Beis Yosef, the Lechem Rav, and the Rambach.